Now, continuing the discussion of things that need to be summed up, I want to give you uh, a listing of things that need to be summed up, and then I'll talk about each one of them in particular. And, and again, the premise is, it's nonsense to suggest that we're going to just be plucked out of here and the purposes of God are that we go to heaven when we die. Yes, we do go to heaven when we die, if we die before the return of the Lord. But the Lord is coming back and the events at the end of the age are essentially the events of the culmination of human history upon the earth from a divine, a divinely orchestrated, a divinely foreknown point of view and nothing is left unfinished. Nothing is left unfinished. The great war between God and Satan is meant to be finished. Satan will lose and what will be destroyed are all the works he has used and constructs he has used which which to deceive mankind. He himself will not be destroyed at the return of the Lord. His agents will be destroyed. The Antichrist, for example, will be destroyed with the brightness of the Lord's coming. The beast, which represents the conservation of Satan's power and the projection of that power to the, to the end of deceiving mankind, that will be utterly destroyed. All the aids of Satan will be completely annihilated. The false prophet will be destroyed and at, together with false prophets. Uh, the, the, the harlot church that's been his primary uh, tool of deception because it's false, it falsely represented Christ to the world. Indeed, you, can't, you cannot represent Christ except accurately. So any representation of Christ that is not Him, not His standard, uh, he, will, he will annihilate. And in fact, we're warned about false representations of Christ at the end of the age. Uh, and I'll, I'll come into some of these things more specifically. Um, but to give you more or less a laundry list of things that need to be concluded that are not now concluded and that would require uh, these forms of conclusion, that list would include Number one and perhaps primarily, the judgment of the beast, just the list now. The destruction of the economic systems that result from the harlotry attributed to the, be to, to the harlot. I'll come back to that, showing you how the merchants of the earth cry out in distress at the destruction of the harlot because they, they profited immensely from her role in, in maintaining some kind of a 
quasi-union among people, maintaining people in a philosophical point of view, even perhaps the suggestion of moral codes, even though she's a harlot, uh, translating into business ethics and the rest of it, where, of course, the spirit of harlotry is going to be the preeminent ethical and you have to you have to recognize harlotry and ethics do not go in the same sentence but but therein lies the deception if you forget that she's a harlot then the ethics of profiting so long as you don't do anything wrong um, becomes a very convenient ethics it's the ethics of the situation what does the situation what will the market bear as opposed to what is the true value of the thing you know um, I'll, I'll come further to that um, the the beast of course will ramp up his opposition to the saints so he'll make war against the saints there will be a time when the kings finally get fed up of the harlot and begin to pull back from her. Meanwhile, in heaven, things are moving forward toward the marriage supper of the Lamb and toward the gathering of the armies under the banner of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And of course, angels, as I said, are included in that army if you reference Matthew 25, 31. I'll go back through each of these points and elaborate on them. Then, of course, the return of the Lord from heaven with the shout of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. At the same time, or contemporaneous with that event, the resurrection of the dead and the transformation of the living saints. Then there will be the overthrow and destruction of the beast and an overthrow and destruction of his armies. Then there will be the seizure and imprisonment of Satan in the abyss for a thousand years. Then the bride and the husband will take their residence in a new Jerusalem, in a city, uh, which again, because we're talking about spiritual, a spiritual relationship, the look of that ought never be conflated with some human uh, experience such as marriage uh, between a man and a woman. I will point out that there is no reference in the scripture and no implication in the scripture that we are individually, the saved, uh, the saints, are individually the bride of Christ. That's a Roman Catholic notion associated with nuns, that they individually, that each nun is, is somehow the bride of Christ. No, the only reference to the bride of Christ is the corporate bride, the, many, the bride comprised of many members. And that's exactly how Jesus, 
how the Lord Jesus Christ will live in the millennial period with the brides. So we're really not talking about a romance and anything sexual or physical between Christ and individuals. We're talking about much like the head and the body. Uh, perhaps we go back to what was meant when God took the woman out of the man. The, the capacity and competence of the woman, Eve in that, in that uh, uh, reference, the capacity and the competence of the woman was that she would give expression to the generations of the man in the sense that the woman would be the bearer of the seed that, but the seed would originate with the man. And perhaps what we're talking about now in the millennial period is rule where Christ as sovereign king projects his rule over the whole earth through the bride and the function of the bride and the bridegroom is more toward that end as opposed to what normally bride and bridegroom, uh, the arrangement is meant to produce which is the propagation of offsprings. Now we will have already been the collected offspring of the whole earth, the harvest indeed of the whole earth. So that will not be the function of the bride and the bride will not be an individual bride, uh, or the bride will not be each individual claiming the status of a bride, the bride is one bride, the corporate bride. And so just as in this epoch, the purpose of the bride is to incubate the seed of the Word, to produce mature sons of God who collectively are called the bride, that, was, that is the purpose for this age and the, the measure of the relationship between Christ and the church in this age. In the age to come when Satan is bound and in the abyss for a thousand years, that's the time of rule and the function of the bride, the corporate, never the individual. The corporate rule is where individual portions of that rule function under and within the predetermined ambit of the corporate. I'm sorry, this is not going to be, this millennial period is not going to glorify the independent right of individuals because it's a different arrangement of government. The present arrangement of governments include the one with which we are familiar where the rights of the individual are paramount, where the, the rule of citizenry is the dominant expression of social order. So we may set up kings and take down kings, we may um, change the laws, change the rules, change the administrations whenever we want to. 
The more we delve into this, the more we realize how a church that finds itself the supporter of this form of government is entirely off the reservation, meaning it does not adhere even basically to the principles of sovereign rule because sovereignty is derived not from the consent of the governed in the kingdom of heaven, sovereignty is derived from an establishment of the sovereign by the Almighty God against whom there is no appeal and He never consulted us in deciding who would be king. Whereas in a democratic form of government, the presumption is that the people are the sovereign, we the people. So the millennial age will be uh, for very different reasons as a hosting uh, context for Christ and the bride at that time. In this time, the bride is being purified by being conformed to the standard of the husband and this is done by her being tried, put into trials so she learns obedience by the things she suffers. She learns to rely on Christ inasmuch as she knows she cannot rely upon herself. Now let me go back quickly through this list just to reset it in your mind and then I'll begin to discuss the particular things that need to be resolved as the age concludes. There will be a destruction of the beast as part of the overall destruction of the works of the devil. With the destruction of the beast will be the destruction of an economic system that has largely been been maintained by uh, the spirit of harlotry, the spirit of gain. You know, the foundation of the present global economic system, the foundation of it is profit, profit. It does not operate for the good of mankind, humankind. It operates to benefit those who control the engines of prosperity, simply what it is. So in that sense, it very much possesses the spirit of the harlot. Do whatever, no matter who is hurt, do whatever to get gain. So the economic system will be destroyed. For those who so love the concept of free enterprise, and it becomes, it actually has become one of the interlaced mantras of the harlot church. Now, is socialism the alternative? No, there's a kingdom economics where we have all things in common so that no one has a need. But that's not the economic system presently available. It will be the economic system of the millennial period.
But again, just, I'm just the listing and then I'll, I'll pull it apart. Destruction of an economic system resulting from harlotry. War against the saints. The separation of the harlot from the kings. Meanwhile in heaven, the preparation for and the execution of the marriage supper of the Lamb, followed by the… and again when I say followed by, it's not clear to me that these things are chronological and indeed we know that some things are contemporaneous. Things in heaven are different from things in the earth, things that are going on in heaven have their own sequence, things that are going on in the earth have a different sequence. Right? But they may be going on contemporaneously although that is a suggestion of time and heaven is not bound by time but rather by the coming forth of events. Earth is bound by time and events. So in heaven, marriage supper of the Lamb, gathering of the armies under the banner of Christ the King, the, the intersecting event, the event that brings heaven and earth together at this juncture, is that of the return of the Lord to the shout of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And that's not for heaven, it's for the earth. The Lord Himself shall be revealed from heaven, but He's being revealed to the earth with the sound of the shout of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. And with that then the dead in Christ, shall arise first and that will be followed by, now that we are sure of, the dead in Christ will rise first, this is 2 Corinthians 15, 51-54, the dead in Christ shall arise first and then those who are alive will be transformed in a twinkling of an eye and the Scriptures are pretty plain, it will not happen before the trans, the, the, the instantaneous transformation of the living saints will not happen before the resurrection of those, the bodies of those who have died in Christ. Following the, with the return of the Lord, the, the beast, the judgment of the beast having already taken place will result in the overthrow and destruction of the beast and the overthrow and destruction of the armies that support the beast. And then finally, the seizure and imprisonment of Satan in the abyss for a thousand years. And on the earth, the revealing of the marriage supper, the revealing of the, the union of Christ and the church. Those are the events. Again, uh, because I commented while I was going through, I'll give you just the barest sketch now and then we'll begin to deconstruct the events themselves. In the judgment of the beast, the destruction of the economic system resulting from harlotry. War against the saints, the separation of the harlot from the kings, they'll hate her. In heaven, meanwhile, the marriage supper of the Lamb, followed by or at the time of or around the gathering of the armies of heaven under the banner of Christ the King, uh, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, 
to mention angels will be included in that army, Matthew 25, 31. Then the return of the Lord out of heaven, bringing with him this great army inclusive of the saints who, who died. Um, their, their spirits will be in heaven, spirits and souls, their bodies now will be caught up and joined with their spirits and souls and they'll become part of this great army together with the living saints transformed in the twinkling of an eye into spiritual bodies, they also being caught up after the resurrected saints to join the Lord and will come back in that triumphant procession of the army of God coming back. As that occurs, there will be an overthrow and destruction of the power of the beast. The beast will be overthrown and, and actually destroyed. The, his destruction will be layered beginning with the, the destruction of his economic system. But then the beast himself will be seized and destroyed together with the false prophet, prophet and the harlot. Their destruction will include the overthrow of their armies and then Satan himself, the prime architect of all this rebellion and subterfuge, working from the hidden places and shadows, he'll be brought out from his place where he manipulates in the second heavens, he'll be thrown down, so to speak, uh, at a point in this time, he'll be hurled down to the earth and his angels with him, so the entire structure of the demonic will be thrown out of the second heavens. That's a, part, a time of great distress upon the earth. It is said, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because Satan has gone down to you. His being thrown out of the heaven will take place at the time of war against the saints or just prior to war against the saints. As Jesus comes, he'll seize him and his agent the, the agents, the antichrist, the false prophet, the harlot and will destroy them but will imprison Satan in the abyss for a thousand years. And then the beginning of the rule of Christ and the bride on the earth in those, in, for a thousand years. Alright, now with that said, I want to go back and just paint the picture of the condition of mankind on the earth at that time. And with that, uh, I would like to conclude this session and the remaining sessions will talk about those items I've listed that need to be discussed with finality uh, surrounding uh, the return of the Lord and the conclusion of the age. Right now, we're watching, we're watching a decline of humanity like we've never seen before. Um, the scriptures in, in Romans 1 attributes this decline to this. They chose not to retain God in their knowledge. 
In fact, their idea of God had been changed into the glory of the corruptible man. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. In our time, one of the things that we have come to see when mankind has chosen to separate himself from God and choose not to retain God in his knowledge, there's been this vast upshot, this incredible upshot in environmentalism. Today, the natural evolution of people of wealth and fame is to talk about the need to preserve the, the, the environment. Now, I do agree that there's a stewardship that God gave to man relative to the earth. God did say to man, have dominion. Man gave up that dominion when he viewed himself as separate from God and saw himself primarily as an agent or an object within creation. That change in philosophical and and identity perspective has resulted in the poisoning of the earth's environments through a variety of of forces and factors. This earth will not be restored until the Lord returns because it's it's part of the right to restore that God has given to man. But in man's effort to be God, he has turned his attention to restoring the environment by legislation and by community effort and such. That and those things by themselves are laudable as opposed to the violation of everything man seems to touch in nature. But, but, that which is sinister under underlying it is this has become the replacement for God. This, is, this has become their zeal, this has become the picture of God. The creation has replaced the Creator as God. So all of the energy of worship that should go toward God is spent toward preserving the environment. As that has also caught hold, the manifestation of this is tied to mankind deciding that man himself 
whom God said he made them male and female. Now they choose to use the preposition them and us. So there's this big thing about prepositions to suggest that in every individual there is a multiple that may be either male, female, or to use language like non-binary, that they have the right to decide based on the occasion what is their definition as human beings. Some have gone further and decided that they want to change the assignment of gender at birth and become something else. Now, when you see these things, what should you be thinking? Certainly you shouldn't be thinking, let's put the genie back in the bottle. This is not the business of the church. No, we are not to put the depravity of the nature of man as it's reached such points of depravity, we can't put it back in the bottle. We can't put it back under wraps and we ought not to try. Look, we know how it's going to play out. The saints will be opposed, persecuted, destroyed even in many instances. So we must exercise patience and endurance while maintaining the truth among ourselves as to who we are. If the world chooses something else, and it is, let them have it. One of the reasons we think we have to protect our children from these points of view is because we failed as families to live up to the mandate of Christ in the church. We're supposed to be a city on a hill an alternative way of seeing, a point of view from heaven, not as the folly of this age is suggesting that we embroil ourselves in the battles to try to hold back the tide of human depravity. When you don't have God in your knowledge, it makes sense, these things make sense. If you're ever going to discuss with anybody any of these controversial issues, start with this principle. What is the operative principle by which we intend to resolve this issue? If it's divine intentionality, then you have a basis for discussion. If it's the I just feel like version of the principle, Stop right there. You don't have anything you can say to these people because they have become their own authority. They have created God in their own image. But we're trying to convince them by the force of law and legislation and governments that we, our ways are preferable to them when our children when our children are not taught and our families are in disarray and our churches are pursuing gain at all costs. They don't have any vision of these things because we're not showing them 
a vision that's an alternative. The depravity of the world will simply increase and it makes it easy for the man of lawlessness to just gather up this influence and use it against the saints. I've warned for decades that this war is coming and it's still going, it's, the, the lack of preparedness evinces the fact that no matter what God is saying, the church has its own agenda. But if this is the condition of the church, my goodness, what is the condition of the, of the world? Look, the world isn't just making this stuff up for convenience. They genuinely believe this. We better wake up to the fact that these aren't people like us in their belief structures. They may look like us physically, but their belief structures have been completely co-opted and we are way behind the curve. We'd better believe that people believe in these behaviors because they do not measure their behaviors by the standard of Christ. They measure it by their own will and what they want and you're not going to change that. This is the condition that presently exists. It'll get worse. That's why these events will careen out of control and require the final judgments of God and that's the subject of the book of Revelation. Now we'll continue as we, uh, as we pick up. I'm Sam Solon, we'll be talking more about these things. See you then. Bye now.